Welcome to 100 Ways, your simple reminder that you are home wherever you are and that everything is right the way it is right now. I'm your host, Laura Christine, fellow explorer of consciousness and this amazing, beautiful world. Let's get curious, dive into the duh, and find out what's here for us today. Welcome to 100 Ways. This is your daily exploration of self and soul. I'm your host and fellow explorer, Laura Christine. Let's dive in and find our way home. What thing lights you up like nothing else? Or what things? Do you fill your life with these things? Do you allow yourself to enjoy them as much as you can? I hope so. In a moment, we're going to... Know one of these things for Ethan. I love this episode because it contains the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. And it shows us that all of life is, (laughs) is, and that all of life doesn't need an explanation. It doesn't need anything. It's just life. All right, let's hop on that motorcycle with Ethan. In India, there's this really excellent motorcycle called the Royal Enfield Bullet. And there are two flavors. There's the 350 and the 500. And you really only should get the 500 if you're, you know, a real man or, you know, whatever. (laughs) It's just this remarkable feeling of sort of dignity and sort of like anywhere that you go on a Royal Enfield Bullet is a journey. And uh, especially if it's a Royal Enfield Bullet 500. (laughs) And these are motorcycles that weren't initially manufactured in Britain and they were brought to India during the colonial period and they pretty much just made them exactly the same for a long period of time until eventually they modernized and started doing a unit construction where the gearbox and the and the uh <laughs> this is very fascinating and important. <laughs> the typographies of uh, motorcycle design. I, I love it when people talk about their passion. Because, oh my God, I wish you could see Ethan right now. He's just like a kid. It's like, I'm so excited about this and he's so fascinated with it. And I know that he has a motorcycle. Oh, motorcycle? I have. Um, I think I have two and a half right now. So he's got, he, he rides motorcycles. So this is really is a, fascinating for yeah. him. So now we have context mm. about why, like, you need this one kind. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I rode a lot of other motorcycles, and my experience of them was that they were nothing. <laughs> <laughs> nothing like the Royal Enfield Bullet, and yeah. especially the Royal Enfield Bullet 500. <laughs> um, that was just piece of work and it was wonderful and I was driving one in the desert by these camels and these four or five kids all flagged me down and wanted to ride like a couple miles away and somehow we all managed to pile on and I didn't maim any one of them because <laughs> maiming myself was a serious concern and so I felt like I did write by my passengers and I think that was among the few times that I ever offered a ride mostly I was catching rides because I did a lot of hitchhiking so I uh rented this motorcycle and I uh, headed off down into the valley because I had heard that there was a monastery there 
And by herd, I think what I mean is that I looked at Google Maps for a long time. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you know, I want to go visit like a great monastery, kind of like a little day trip. And like also have an excellent motorcycle ride at the same time and pack a lunch or something and kind of like go on a journey. Because there were a lot of monasteries around there. But I, I think for some reason, uh, this one just seemed like the right one. It was founded, I think, in 1450 or something by one of the predecessors of the Dalai Lama. He's a reincarnation of the founder of this monastery. They study tantric texts and different practices. And they have like a real nice looking temple there and the craggy peaks of the Himalayas are behind them. And it just seems really lovely on Google Maps <laughs> when you look at the pictures. And so I headed off on my motorcycle and I think it like took longer than I thought. And I kind of like had two small accidents, one of which was my backpack strap kind of got caught in the tire and like yanked it off of me. Oh my and it felt like just a elephant sat on my back randomly so it's like i was just put 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 boom oh my God. <laughs> and uh and it ripped the strap off which is good because it probably would have i don't know it would have been fine i was like going along a railroad or whatever and then another thing happened which is um i uh this is the only two no what the two of the three crashes that i had in india on motorcycles aside from the time that i got rear-ended by a very large truck with somebody riding on the back and neither of us got hurt. But <laughs> oh. Anyway, I, I kind of like tipped it over and bent the kickstand and I was just feeling really bad about this and I didn't have any cash with me, foolishly. But I kind of got it all sorted out and I eventually found what I was looking for, which was this temple. And I parked my motorcycle and I kind of like had to shake off this, I'm a white guy on a motorcycle. Now I'm here at your monastery. You know, I'm like, here I am. Because <laughs> I really just yeah. like wanted to encounter it gently or without presupposition or like try to encounter the energy there and, and understand it. So it's set up in this beautiful way. It's almost like the architecture of an Italian street that's very, very old and sort of built up around a river. It has all these interesting angles and sort of stone buildings that have kind of reified these interesting angles over time where there are these courtyards and kind of like thin little doors that you walk through and you end up in like an entirely different neighborhood or different place and it was like that it had a very sort of narrow entry with these long set of stairs and I went up and um, the most obvious place that I could go was the temple which was open as they almost always are and um, there was a lot of gold leaf everywhere and I think there was a large Buddha statue and there was almost no one around so I kind of like kicked around there and I was like well I've seen temples before and I'm not really sure if I should be here. And it's a residential monastery. There's like quite a lot of almost like apartment buildings creating this courtyard. So there's the temple at the top of the stairs or the street at the bottom. And then it's kind of surrounded by these apartments. And then on the sides, there are these large meditation halls that feel much more like academic. And I was like, well, I'm here to learn about Buddhism. <laughs> you know, and like I'm here to meditate. And it just started kind of like, it felt like being in a mall or something. Not because of anything of the place, but because of my own inability to relate to it. And I just sort of felt, maybe not like a mall, but it felt like being in the wrong place. I mean, I feel like that in malls. Yeah, always. <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> it's like... I shouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah, this isn't my damn. I don't, I don't this know. Is not, this isn't working for me. <laughs> yeah, I should leave as soon as possible. <laughs> my skin is starting to dry up. <laughs> this isn't home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so 
You felt like you were in a mall. Yeah. <laughs> so all of a sudden, dong, 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 these large bells around the courtyard start ringing, and out of, it had been almost entirely silent, and out of nowhere, all of these students, all these monks wearing these long, flowing, very comfortable-looking robes come out, and they're all busy, and they're kind of kind of interested in me, and they're like, man, whatever. You know, they're all at, at like a like a flow, like a herd of caribou, all with a sort of a central purpose. They're all flowing towards this meditation hall, and it's clearly time to go meditate. And I felt like, ah, good, finally I have something to do. I can go meditate with them. And then I was just overcome with this sort of sense of foolishness of mm-hmm. like, what the fuck? Like, what am I, you can't, you know, it's like, what are you even trying to do here, man? Nobody invited you. What are you going to do? It's not going to be in English. You're not going to be able to even communicate with it. I mean, I almost certainly could have communicated with somebody. I'm sure all of them spoke enough English to be like, hey, dude, you're totally welcome. Just hang out and back. But like, for whatever reason, I just sort of felt like absolute imposter and sort of overcome with this intense sadness um, that I sort of feel even now, sort of thinking back on this. I don't know if I immediately realized that, but sort of like thinking back on it, in part, it was this feeling of the vast, incredible, sonorous depth of weeping and sadness that is possible in time and the possibility of being in the wrong place forever of sort of finding yourself in this eddy of the wrong river you know and just not even really being aware of necessarily that and coming into awareness in these transitory moments of like oh my goodness I'm not at all at home you know like I don't I don't belong here and it's awful but I want to belong here like I want to sort of cut through this non-belonging somehow but that's a violence and like i can't that's what i'm gonna do here like i've rode my motorcycle here and now i'm gonna be like violently cutting through (laughs) non-belonging it's like get out of here man (laughs) like you'll have some dumplings (laughs) go back to your tourist area you know and so i was just overcome with all these things and anyway i was in this moment of sort of indecision about whether i was going to introduce myself into the meditation hall and and the bell stopped ringing and everybody sat down and I was sort of standing there alone again in the courtyard looking at them all meditating and not a single one looked out. I was kind of hoping that somebody would be like, hey man, <laughs> come <laughs> <Yeah>. on in. <laughs> of course, I would too. Yeah. yeah, and so I had, I didn't know what to do. I was completely bereft, like a little husk, like a little leaf, a sad little leaf. I kind of blew into the corner, into the gutter. Um, and I literally, <laughs> I went and sat in the corner where there was this rain gutter winding a long way down the brick building and it had rained I think at some point often rains in that area because of all the mountains Um, but it had rained and I was so delighted to realize that it had rained and so I had an actual real dignified reason to be sitting and watching this gutter because there was rain coming down it damn it (laughs) my gosh there was rain and did you ever did everybody know that there was rain coming down here and it sounds like a certain way when it hits the ground and so i was just sitting there and i thought well darn it you know if i'm not gonna you know achieve enlightenment by going into that room there and meditating with these people then i should just at least have a good meditation here (laughs) and so i was sitting there but also kind of painfully aware of this sort of one thing that came back to me many times in the course of the time that I was in India is this experience of sort of like meditating in public. Like one thing that I said early on when we're just sort of beginning to talk about this trip is like, I wanted to go to India and meditate in the street because it seems like a really good place to meditate in India. 
everybody's doing it. It's like you, you can't sink any lower. It's not as though you're trying to attain anything. It's like you don't deserve this meditation cushion. Well, I don't have one. So <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and you know, the whole idea of sort of like eating only alms is kind of like even sort of bringing that to this more beautiful level of like, wow, I can totally just make this work forever, for eternity. And that should be long enough to achieve enlightenment, you know? <laughs> so this is sustainable, this radical sustainability of just like receiving alms and sitting in the street. And so that seems pretty cool. But it's harder to do if you're white and have long hair. Like I had long hair down past my shoulders at this time. And my experience was that this was a mistake uh, because the number of times that people would call me over and be like, oh, selfies. <laughs> it was like, at first it was like, oh, yeah, like I'm famous. You know, this is great. I'm so famous. But then it started to be kind of cumbersome or sort of problematic or sort of like often negative, you know, because it was this consumptive energy. Yeah. Like it was often I felt like used, you know. Not not actually, because it was like, whatever. It never really was a problem. But if I wanted to be doing something else, it became problematic because I honestly could not say no. There's something about the relationship between Indian, like, young boys and kind of, like, adolescents and foreigners where it's like, they're kind of asking, but they're also like, okay, now we're going to do this thing, you know? And, like, now we're doing this thing, and, like, now I'm holding your hand, and now we're all together, and we're all sort of, like, doing this thing. So I developed this uh, solution, <laughs> which was, I would say, ah, yes, I'm more than happy to take a, a selfie with you. It costs five rupees. <laughs> and five rupees is about, like, a fifth of a samosa. And a samosa is, like, really good. five cents. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe I shouldn't use the most. It's like it, like mm. five rupees is like a little tiny piece of candy. Mm -hmm. It's a very small amount of money. And so it wouldn't actually be like an impediment to anybody, but they were, they, it just, without a fail, would immediately end the interaction. Mm. They'd just be like, I'm not paying out of here. And they'd just leave, be completely uninterested. So it was beautiful. But I started talking about this because there's this kind of, um, if you're visiting... As a foreigner, there's a lot of power dynamics and kind of like energies at play. And it's, it's occurs to me that I could sort of go off rambling about my background in terms of genealogical things just to give more context. I'm not entirely British, but I certainly am more British than Indian. So when you kind of compound that with going to a monastery, it's like monasteries have this kind of radical openness that is agnostic and open to all people. But there's also a tremendous blessing there that shouldn't be abused and abuse takes many forms but it's possible to sort of in a spiritual context like when you're going to a monastery to do more harm than good even if you do nothing so it's important to be aware of that one thing that i was aware of when i was there uh, was that i was sitting there meditating in front of this rain spout waiting for somebody to notice me mm -hmm. you know in this kind of like exhibitionist meditation waiting to be discovered and sort of ah we're so sorry sir obviously we had meant to roll out the red carpet because we recognize you from 10 million years ago. <laughs> to sort of like that's, that there's actually this kinship that should be there or something. And mm -hmm. then to just kind of be like sitting in this kind of ugly way and expecting that kind of thing is sort of ugly. Yet the realization is sort of not ugly at all. Which realization? The realization that you just shared, that you're sitting there in this ugly way and it's the awareness that you received from it or you got from it is not ugly at all yeah i think the immense power of the monastery was like a perfect marble surface that 
I was able to roll the dough out on and then clean, and there was no trace of my existence when I left. And in this way, it was beautiful. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) It was a really nice countertop. But, you know, I wept quite a lot there, like Mm. in front of this rain spout, and that seemed topical, too. And so I was happy about that. More cleansing. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And at one point, these old monks started to notice me. And I said, oh, good, I'm weeping. This is great. You know, this is really, this is credibility if I ever, <laughs> weeping in front of the drain spout. They're going to be talking about that one around the, you know, the coffee table later. <laughs> this nerd, you know. <laughs> and I was sort of gratified by being slightly noticed in this way. Um, and then I left. Got <laughs> what you were looking for. Got what I was looking for. I was like, all right. Not what I expected, but just like finding some way to encounter the things that led me there and sort of being offered the dignity just by the kind of effervescent dignity of these institutions to mm-hmm. sort of experience it in a way and then continue on. And also just sort of a chance to recognize what a tremendous blessing it is to have this opportunity to be someone that belongs in a place like that, mm. that being your home. Because it's this radical kind of thing. It's like you're choosing that. Maybe you're not. Maybe your parents sent you there because your parents want you to become virtuous. Because they're not. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah, somebody's got to do it. It's like, dude, I I repair trucks for a living. I don't have time to be virtuous. Hey, vehicle repair is a virtuous thing. The person can drive their vehicle. Mm. (laughs) All right, so Katna. Tell me about a time when you felt like you were doing something really virtuous and you were really going to prove something about yourself. And then once you started doing it or once you got to the place, you felt like Ethan did totally out of place and totally like an imposter. I know we've all been there and I want to hear your story. So contact me at laurachristine.us slash contact. And you'll also know how to do that after the music starts. Tomorrow, we are going to go on the next stop of Ethan's spiritual journey of India and Nepal. Until then, we are sending you all the love and then some more. We'll talk tomorrow. Thank you for exploring with me today. I would love to continue this conversation with you. We can do that at laurachristine.us. You'll find contact in the menu, or you can go to laurachristine.us slash contact and you'll be taken right to it. Let's dive in a little deeper and see how fully we can flow with the duh. Thank you for being here. I would love to hear from you. Go to laurachristine.us to let me know your thoughts on this. And remember, as Rumi said, there are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. Also, you can't fuck it up. I said that. (laughs) 